Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. I had this thought during the break, Wolf, listening to Eric's update. KD rocking the uh, D-backs hat after the game last night. KD talked about it. Yeah, he's trying to support the hometown t- local team. Uh, I know they support us, so let's try to try to show some love. Imagine Kevin Durant playing baseball. That's that's a strike zone. If Kevin Durant's up to bat, yeah, that'd be man, that'd be brutal, wouldn't it? That's probably yeah. That's that's Boy, pitch him inside. <laughs> those long arms. Just be jamming them big time, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think that probably has a pretty Boston. long swing. Um, KD talked about uh, what changed in the second and third quarters. This is the second straight game in the series that the Suns really woke up in the second and third quarters. Um, they came out high, knocking down three ball. I think that's uh, they might have. They were six for seventeen to start the game. They probably was four, five out of those six with threes. And I think. Uh, they can get you can get discouraged as teams knocking down threes on you, but I think we stayed poised and was able to uh, walk that lead back down, but get that big three going into the half. So I knew we had some momentum there. Uh, and then coming out the half, I thought we did a good job of hitting them early. Your thoughts on that, Logan? I, I like that they've done it two games in a row. I know it didn't uh, it didn't ultimately result in a win in the first game, but and it was mostly Kevin Durant really in that first game with 17 points in the second quarter. Um, this is something that was missing last year in that Maverick series. And to me, it was one of the weirdest parts of a very weird two weeks in Suns history. I guess it was really only the, the second week against the Mavericks. They would fall behind in the first quarter, and that happens. I know I know, coaches and players are like, we can't, we got to start faster. But it does happen. Usually one team falls behind in the first part of a game. But the problem with the Suns in that Maverick series last year is when they fell behind, they never got back up. They were like a boxer that got hit once and they were just down. And now two straight games, we've seen them fall behind, which you would like to stop doing, and come back both games and take Mm -hmm. sizable leads both games. They let it slip away in game one, which is a different conversation. But that's resilience, two playoff games in a row, which you're not winning a title without resilience. That's excellent observation right there. You're not. Resilience, which is toughness. That's what it is. got to be tough. To be resilient. You have to be resilient, I should say, to be tough. Period. Toughness comes from within. It's not about being physically tough. That's physically tough. You know, I mean, you go out and, I don't know, you you see a a deer that has been shot, right? Have you ever seen this out out in the forest or something like that? I mean, I've seen a deer. See a dead deer? I've not seen that. Um, I've seen it before a couple of times. Am I the only person here? How often are you in the forest? Dead out. Well, when I was younger, of course, I was on the forest. The forests of Buffalo? Why does this sound so so weird? Well, to be fair, you haven't finished the Um, story. The, the the deer is laying there, ladies and gentlemen, and he, he, guess what? I, you know, he, uh, you know, a tree could fall on it. And he's not going to feel it. Is that tough? Is that being tough? No, of course not. You have to be alive to actually feel that kind of punishment. So, in order to be resilient, in order to be resilient, you have to be breathing as well. Does that make sense? So. For me, that is where toughness comes from. It comes from within your body. 
It comes from your soul, period. And wasn't it weird that they didn't have that last year in the playoffs? They had it against New Orleans, and, and but a lot of that was Chris Paul against New Orleans. And I, I will always believe that New Orleans took something out of the Suns, and that's why they didn't have it against the Mavericks in the second round. But or was, maybe showed the Mavericks a little something. And maybe maybe that that's it. Exploit. And maybe it is as simple as that, but I, I don't know that there is a blueprint to beat the Suns this year. You might be able to beat them. Somebody, I mean, Denver's looked pretty sure. good. Denver might be able to beat them if they, if that's a second round matchup. Milwaukee certainly, uh, I think, could. I don't know that they would, but I, I don't know that there's a blueprint. And it did. You're right. It felt like Dallas had the blueprint last year. But until we saw the Suns actually come back and win a playoff game this year, there was still some unknown. We're finding out so much about this team every time they play. That was still only their tenth game. Together. Yes. Can I? Can we, we haven't talked about this. I don't know if we're supposed to. I haven't looked at the show sheet here, but how'd you think DA played? I thought I thought in the second quarter, I know I said this on Bickley and Murata this morning, I, I waded into that water of saying something nice about DA on Twitter and was immediately just attacked. Like, what, you, what game are you watching? It's amazing. I'm not saying DeAndre Ayton justified being the first pick or justified his max extension or is better than Luke. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying in the second quarter of this game last night, when it was starting to slip away, and I know most of it was against the Clippers bench, I don't care. Yeah. DA was scoring and keeping them in the game and at least leaving the door open long enough for Devin Booker to come in and do what he did. He, DA was like a, a middle reliever in a game where you're down like four to one, yeah. and he kept it four to one. You know what I mean? He, he gave you a chance to hang around when it looked like it was about to get bad. He came in with guys on first and third and no outs and got out of the inning. That's a, yeah. He doesn't win the Cy Young for that, but he kept him in the game. First of all, you know I love the guy, Basin Ornings. If you've listened to this show, you know I love the guy. I really do, and I, I respect him. Yet, at the same time, he, he drives me crazy. Crazy. He, he really does. He, he can kill intensity on a team quicker than many, many guys because he's irresponsible with some of his talent because he doesn't use his talent efficiently. And when I say that, I'm, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about catch the ball. I, I, I'm, I'm not talking about rebounds. I'm talking about be aware. I, I'm not talking about points. I'm talking about be prepared to make a play. Find your base. Don't assume anything. All right? So, you know, stop me when I mention producing numbers in a game. That's not what I'm talking about with DA. It isn't. And yet, he's the guy who kept the Suns hanging around especially in that first half, in that second quarter specifically. I think I blacked out when you said catch the ball because that's so very true. Like there are just times in the game where it's like, dude, you can do things nobody else in this building can do. But most of the people can catch the ball. Like, why aren't you catching the ball? Grab so the can... ball, <laughs> <laughs> So that you can Aiton. do the other things. I like the way you said that. Aiton. Yeah, Aiton. Um, you know, but it's so, it, it is, it's one of these deals, you know, I, he, he, he gets me out of my mind when I watch the how it's, it's not necessarily the what. And again, the guy produced in that first half yet watching him early in this game, the first quarter was gouge your eyes out. 
Yeah, it was. The first quarter <laughs> the first quarter was rough. And then, and then he got in foul trouble and really wasn't a factor for another big chunk of the game. I wonder be like, DA, come here, but DA, there's a game going on. <laughs> You're in it. You know what? Don't assume the other guy isn't going to try hard. Assume that he is going to try hard. Move your feet. For but, but I would also maintain. Right out loud. They, move your feet. They don't win that game last night if DeAndre Ayton doesn't help keep them in it in I the know. second quarter. Yeah. And that's the truth. Uh, that's that's DA rolled into uh, oh, 40 my. minutes. <laughs> uh, all right, we come back. Monty Williams took some heat for getting out coached in game one by Ty Lue, but he made adjustments in game two, and the Suns picked up the win. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Boy, Wolf, there are days where, you know, if you're going to talk about the same thing for the entire show, like versions of the same thing, you're like, oh, I'm, I mean, it's going to run out of stuff. That's like, no, <laughs> not in this case. Not when it's playoff basketball, man. And not when, especially not when it's a win, as the Suns got last night. And, you know, on top of that, you could see tangible adjustments that Monty Williams made and that the Suns made. It wasn't just him, but that they made uh, before and even during that game last night. And... It's not as simple as, hey, now you adjust and you win, and now you adjust and you win, because that won't work because Clippers won the first game, so then by that logic they would win uh, in seven. But you could see you could see the Clippers in particular adjusting as the game was going and the Suns just not caring mm-hmm. because Devin Booker was putting 38 on them. Yeah, and you know what? Um, he had KD as well. He was out there playing, and even though... He did just give you a 25, 25 casually. Yeah, right? yeah. A casual only 25, 25 right, right there for KD. Um, you know what? That, that's like the relative that always gives you like too much money in your birthday card every year. You know, like let's say all your other relatives are giving you, I don't know, fifty bucks or whatever, and the one yeah. relative gives By you like two hundred. Get on the same page, too. If you're a family, get yeah. on the same page. So you're all giving the same amount. So you're giving the same amount. So you're not like the favorite aunt or whatever. Yeah, it's okay. yeah. You're gonna come in here and suddenly because you know you you were left millions, whatever it may have been. You're gonna go ahead and give the kid a hundred bucks when we're all here giving them fifty. Yeah. How does that make us look? Well, that, that's that's when Katie puts up twenty five points in a game. It's like, oh, you're the you're the relative that usually gives me two hundred bucks, and you only gave me yeah. seventy five. Like uh, this is, I guess, still better than most, but it's not up to your typical standards. By the way, cold hard cash base earnings is that still the best gift? Is that still, you know, cash? I know there's a lot of people don't even use cash out there anymore. I guess that's true. But the thing with gift cards though is they they get sneaky. Where it's like, okay, here's this gift card. It expires in eight seconds though, and it starts yeah. d- diminishing by two dollars every hour. Yeah, not only that too, they're tracking you. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Think of a cold hard cash, Luke. Okay, <laughs> sometimes you gotta you gotta think like you live in Beijing. They can already track okay. you with your phone. Just or should I not you. have told you that? <laughs> not, yeah. not to ruin no, your day. I, I, I I've known that. Okay, I've known that. Well, they they can track you because you're on the radio for four hours every day, so they no, know right where right. you are. You know the the whole phone thing right now. You're not using your phone to actually pay, are you? Yeah, you probably do. You I was going to give you money for your birthday, but I guess not. Yeah, no. No. Cold, hard cash is the way to go. Take a little advice from your Uncle Ron. I don't even remember where I was going with any of that. But here's uh, Monty Williams uh, last night 
talking about the adjustments during the game and just how the Suns ultimately were able to swing things. Sometimes playoff basketball, I mean, we people talk about adjustments all the time, and, and we, we make them all throughout the game. Um, but a lot of basketball is just being able to sit down and guard the ball and keep a guy from getting to the basket or being able to contest the shot. And I think man-to-man, coaches, everybody felt it. We just needed to guard the ball and keep them out of the paint. Russ was getting to the basket. Kawhi was beating the double-team baseline. And if he beats the double-team baseline, you got two guys behind him now. So you got to help with the third guy, and then that gives up offensive rebounds or threes on the backside. So we felt like if we could just guard the ball for at least two dribbles and force them into a tough shot and rebound, we can get out and run. But that was something that we all felt. And we have a saying here, you know, we call each other up, not out. And so everybody felt it, and we just executed a lot better. Okay, a couple of things right here. Um, I think he totally nails what he's saying right there, but it does bother me to call you call people up and not out. <laughs> okay, it does. But that's what they do. Uh, no, I know they do. I, I, I know, but Luke, you know, I... You would prefer to call somebody I, out? I, I, <laughs> you don't even have to answer I, that I, question. <laughs> I rest my case. No, I'm just saying, Mason Onions, right now is one of the greatest things in the world to be accountable to each other inside a locker room where you would hold yourself to a standard you wouldn't hold anybody else to. And that's the reason why you could walk up on somebody and call them them out if you know what i mean as opposed to calling them up <laughs> you know i, I understand hey, what money like down saying. there no, come I up do. here I, I do i understand what he's saying right well, there it worked we could we, we call them up that's all we do yeah. well sometimes you know what money sometimes that leaves one wanting sometimes you need to call somebody out to get their attention instead of calling them up. Well, sometimes, in the case of DeAndre Ayton, when he signs his max extension, you don't call him at all. That's the third option. <laughs> Boy, you went for the jugular, okay, metaphorically saying. speaking. Uh, no, I, I, I like... I like that because you could see it play out during the game. <laughs> it, it rings hollow if Monty Williams after the game's like, you know, we weren't playing up to our standard, and so we, we we have the call each other up statement, and we went ahead and did that, and we lost by eighteen. Everybody'd be like, okay, well, change it. Yeah. But last night they uh, they they were able to to make some adjustments. They played with a faster pace, which, you know, Monty Williams didn't hide that after game one. He flat out said, we need to shoot more threes, and we need to change the pace of the game. And they went out there and, and very clearly intentionally changed the pace of the game, whether that was collectively as a team or that was running point book, which definitely changed the pace of the game. Yeah, you know, just having a teammate walk up to you, audience, and say to you, somebody that you respect, somebody you love, somebody you look up to, somebody inside that locker room who you know goes out and balls out, regardless of what your sport is, regardless of what it is you're doing, balls out and gives his best, and he walks up to you and looks you in the eye and says, you are killing us. You're not doing your job. What are you doing? Can I tell you the the mark that will leave on you as a person because you got called out? So I understand what Monty's saying. I do. I think it's a play on words. Calling up. We, we, We call guys up. That's what we do. Sometimes it feels really good to call guys out. Well... 
let me let me maybe this will make you feel better, okay? Because I I think Monty's big on on these you know very specific sayings that they use. They almost have their own language as a team in some areas, and it obviously works for him. He's one of the best coaches in the NBA. But if you and I think that's partially something that he does to. Like Monty can be old school, but you also have to speak that new school language if you're coaching an NBA team in 2023, totally right? Agree. Now, Chris Paul, I would say, is not afraid to call guys <laughs> in front of everybody Do you see in a crowded arena. <laughs> I man, I just watch Chris Paul and the facial expressions of Chris Paul. So much of the time, you'll see the cameras. They focus on Chris Paul. When there's a timeout, <laughs> they'll go to Chris Paul. Why do you think they do that? Because so much of Good the time, TV. when there's a break, right, or there's a timeout, a break in the action or a timeout, they go to CP because he's got the furrowed brow on his face, and he's looking at somebody. And more times than not, says something out of the side of his mouth. So there was, since you guys were at the game last night, you didn't see this. Yeah. They went to a commercial break. I think it was when D-Book was shooting some free throws, and it just showed DeAndre Ayton on the bench, and all you can see is Chris Paul just, like, staring (laughs) at the back of his head. Just like, I mean, it was like two seconds, but when I was watching it, it felt like five minutes, and I felt the death glare. (laughs) That's, that's, that's awesome, hilarious because there was definitely a point in the game last night. I said this earlier. I turned to Dave Burns and I was like, "You think Chris Paul enjoys playing basketball?" Because <laughs> he just didn't look like he did. But there are there I, there was a moment because he he's always talking, he's, right? He's not calling people up. That's no, he's calling them straight out. Um, but there was a moment in the game last night where I was looking. I was like. I'm not even sure who he's yelling at right now. I don't even think there's anybody around him that he's directing it to. See, and I I know what Monty's saying by that. Again, we call people up. We want them to take it positively, receive it in a positive way, and understand where we're coming from. We're not trying to call you out. We're trying to call you up. But can I tell you, sometimes they need to be called out. (laughs) You need somebody to go, oh my goodness, I just got called out. You need people to get butt hurt. You do. And that's why you need to say, we're going to call you out, dude. Because you're not doing what you should be doing. I know it's a play on words, and we had this isn't on the show sheet, is it? It usually it's, isn't. There's just nothing on the show sheet about calling the people show, the out. Show, don't think of the show all. sheet as a guide of what we're supposed to do. Think of it as a list of things we were going to do. That's what our show sheet's okay, typically right. So we just kind of set that over there. And Luke, we're yeah. going to call you up. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been called up enough today. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what's the national perspective on Suns Clippers through two games? ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. At Suns Clippers, even at one game apiece, series shifting to L.A. tomorrow for Game 3 and then Game 4 Saturday. Joining us right now to give us a little bit of the national perspective, Wolf, on the Arizona Sports Line is ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks. Bobby, thank you for the time. How's it going? Good, guys. How are you? 
good, Bobby. We're uh, we're better today than we were 24 hours ago going into that game. Um, <laughs> you guys know this is a roller coaster, right? Yeah. No. Well, and look, Devin Booker said almost that exact thing after Game One, and then he went out and had the game he had last night. So I, I, I guess let's start there through the first two games of this series. Kawhi's had a monster game. Booker's had a monster game, and Kevin Durant's been pretty steady. What have you seen from the the, the star power in this series? Well, yeah, I mean, I think as expected. I think you know, certainly in Game One, you would have probably liked to seen um, you know Kevin probably get a little more touches than he did at the end of the game. I think that's just kind of I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast right now, just kind of working everyone uh, in. I think yesterday was probably more of the team. Um, that I expected, especially in um, in the second half where um, it was balanced. Certainly Devin took over, but I think what you got from Chris and what you got from Kevin and Torrey Craig and, and DeAndre Ayton, that's kind of how you know, you're probably going. You're going to have to get the stops, um, and you're going to have to make shots down the stretch. Bobby, are you surprised that it's 1-1? Uh, oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> um Am I surprised it's one? No. I mean, I think the first game is always kind of a um, uh, the first toss up, just because it's more of kind of a um, you know f- figuring out each each team here, um, especially for um, especially for um, for a team that hasn't played much together, and, and you know with with Phoenix as far as with some of these injuries here and. Um, you know, certainly didn't have Paul George in, in, in game one. I thought, you know, that's probably the best that we've seen Kawhi play since probably his, his um, uh, you know, his Toronto days. And um, so, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I think the Western Conference, there's so much parity here. Uh, I think you could probably look at every series except maybe Denver, maybe Denver, Minnesota. Um, and it's, it's um, you know, it's kind of a toss up. Talking to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. So, Bobby, the, the game last night, you know, some of us can look at that and say, hey, that was maybe a turning point. The Suns haven't played together very much, and so this is, you know, turning a corner. But at the same time, Ty Lue's pretty good at making adjustments both yeah. between and in games. How do you see this now going forward into game three? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of it. I think every game, you know, as I was saying, like it's just a roller coaster. Every game is kind of their own little mini series. I think. The big adjustment, I think, for me, for, from the Clippers' perspective, is kind of how much do we see Eveka Zubak out there, and maybe we see more Mason, maybe we see a little bit more Mason Plumley, or maybe this team goes a little bit smaller here. I thought he was, I thought Zubak was a little bit of a liability um, last night. I think that's probably something to kind of um, keep their eye on. I think for Phoenix, you're probably not doing anything, and you're probably not adjusting much to that. Um, you, know, you like kind of the game plan from from last night. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I still give Phoenix, I think I picked them in six. Um, I still expect them to kind of get out of this, um, get out of this, this series. I just feel that, you know, from one to one to seven, one to eight, they've got a, they've got a better team here. And um, eventually you're going to get another one of those three for 20 Russell Westbrook games. Um, although he had impact on the defensive side. I was just going to ask you that, Bobby. Do you see any path for the Clippers? If the Clippers are somehow, some way going to win this series, what would have to happen, in your opinion? Well, you'd have. I think what would have to happen is both guys, Durant and Booker, having um, off nights the same night. I mean, I think that's. I think that's that would be you know certainly if if, if Kevin struggles or if, if you know or if Devin you know if they're you, know, you can't take the ball out of both hands here. Um, I mean, I think that's really kind of the path. I think 
you know, certainly the role players in Phoenix play a huge role. I mean, I don't want to even call Chris a role player because he's a future Hall of Famer, but, um, you know, as much as those guys can contribute, whether it be him and Torrey, um, that's, I think that's kind of the X factor, too. Um, you know, what you can get from other guys. If Durant, if they do take the ball out of Durant's hands or even Devin's hands, you know, guys to make shots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a path. Certainly they've got home court advantage, um, but I think it's easy to kind of, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit different than going into Sacramento to steal a game. No offense to Clipper fans than going into Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Talking to Bobby Marks, uh, you know, Bobby, obviously nationally everybody knows KD, they know Chris Paul, and they know Devin Booker too, but after a game like last night, I think everybody around here is like, yeah, he, he does that pretty consistently. What's, what's your impression of, of the national view on Devin Booker, how that has maybe changed over the last couple of years? Oh man, I mean, talk, I mean, once you kind of get in, in that spotlight, and I think it changed a lot in Orlando. Like I said, it was three years ago in the, in the bubble, um, and then it certainly you know has carried over you know with that team getting to it, um, you know, in NBA Finals, and then last year here. I mean, he's like kind of the ultimate one of the ultimate closers, and I think that's what. I think that's what gives Phoenix such an advantage when you have two closers down the stretch, guys that can make shots. I mean, you look at. The, the Brooklyn series in Philly. I mean, Brooklyn's a nice team, but you can only they only you know, those guys on that roster, Mikhail and Cam. They get you to a certain point, right? When you have guys that can finish games, that's the difference of kind of getting out of first round or, or, or losing in the first round. Bobby, do you think the Clippers are going to get more physical, even more physical than what we've seen in the first two games with the Phoenix Suns? Oh uh, yeah, because they've, they're a little more deeper. Probably they've got a lot more guys that you could that you can throw out. Um, you know, certainly with um, you know with you know Covington on the bench, and they've got Batum, and I think they can use probably a little bit. You know, they've got the two centers with Zubak and Plumlee here. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I think that's kind of the style. I think if you kind of get into more of a finesse game, um, it probably is more of the Suns. You know, the Suns' favor. It has long felt like if the Suns, because that was only their 10th game together last night with this group, if they could get their footing and get out of this first round, that they have a real shot to make a run here through the West and maybe even uh, you know through the finals. Um, you mentioned how kind of a lot of the other series right now in the West look pretty wide open with Golden State down and John Morant hurt. How do you see the rest of the West right now if the Suns can get past L.A.? It's like the NCAA tournament. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's so much parity. Um, you know, certainly, you know, probably outside, you know, as I said, Denver, I think they'll get through Minnesota relatively easily, easy. Um, you know, the four or five here, uh, Sacramento, Golden State is it. You know, looking like a tremendous series. I had the Kings winning before this thing started. I just thought they were the better team this year, and I didn't kind of buy into the, the championship equity that Golden State had built. And who knows? I mean, Golden State can get those two games, and you're going back to Sacramento in a Game Five, and there's pressure on the on the Kings here. And then the Lakers. You know, I mean, Lakers, Memphis. It's like you know, what what is, what is Memphis going to have with John Morant? I mean, that's the big thing. If John Morant can't play, or if he's Fifty percent, John Morant. They're going to be home next week, or the you know, or the following week. The Lakers will get to the second round because they're balanced. You saw it. Um, you saw it Sunday with you know LeBron basically was on cruise control towards the end until he had to make some shots. But with Hatchamore and Reeves and AD, um, you know, their role players certainly better than where they were in February. I mean, they have a they have a great. They probably have as good of a chance as some of these other teams to get out of a, out of the first round. So, Bobby, Draymond Green is going to be suspended for Game 3 of the series. Do you agree with that? I, 
it's it's interesting. I I I don't agree based on what happened because a I think he was provoked. I mean, I, I think we all could agree that with Sabonis. Yeah. Um. So that in itself, just that incident alone, I don't agree that he was going. He should have been suspended. However. There's a lot more to it. <laughs> As you guys know, there is the history, right? And yeah. the league mentioned that. 163 technicals and 17 ejections since he's been in the NBA. Like, that's a lot, right? <laughs> and then I think for the with the commissioner sitting there in the stands, basically almost inciting a riot with those Sacramento fans, I mean, that thing could have got ugly real quick. I think that did not help his case at all. So I think if you break it up into three different things, he loses out on two of them. Bobby, we appreciate your time as always. That's a pretty good way to sum up Draymond Thanks, Green. Bobby. Thank you. <laughs> you got it, guys. Thanks. All right. That's Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, joining us right there as uh, as the Suns even up the series with the uh, the Clippers last night. And, you know, he just said it there at the end. Denver looks, looks pretty locked in right now. Um, but every other series, I mean, if the Suns, if they can get past the Clippers, this gets really interesting. Now, they would probably get Denver, but... The other side of the bracket in the Western Conference is like that could easily that could easily be Lakers Sacramento in the second round. Yeah, boy, Sacramento too looks so good. They play hard. They do, but to me they they have like like the Celtics last year kind of coming out of nowhere, really good, knocking some teams off, don't quite win the title. Same with the Suns the two years before. So we'll see. I, I It's not like I don't buy Sacramento. We, we haven't just, bought them all year long. I'm just long, not picking them as, as winning the at title. At some point, you got to look at them and go, man, they're for real. Well, this would probably be that point. I'm actually probably well past that point. Uh, and we come back, Chris Paul picked up his first win with Scott Foster officiating in a playoff game in a long time. So just how different did it look? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Final segment of the show on this Wednesday following a Suns win, and we are firmly in that time of year, Wolf. I really noticed this two years ago when they made it to the Western to the NBA Finals. Um, it's either the Suns are playing today, day, or the Suns are off today. Today, yeah. that's basically it. <laughs> there are no days of the week. It's there's no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No, it's just Suns playing, Suns not playing. Yes, especially right now where it's every other day. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird after Game Four, of course. Game four, there's a three-day break. Yeah, it's going to be odd. Yeah. That's going to be odd. That's going to throw us all yeah, off. Yeah, that is. That's gonna but then, and that's also going time. into NFL Draft Week. Oh, that's right. By the way, in case anybody hasn't done the math, I know you have. I know we have here. If this series goes six games, game six is uh, during the first round of the NFL Draft. Or the same night as. I don't know what no. time that game would start. Yeah. Really? yeah, who did that? Okay. Who scheduled that? Okay, um, who predicted six games? Who would do that? Such a thing as making bold predictions. Is this going to be like that time when you, you were bragging about your Final Four teams in the Sweet 16 <laughs> no, and they all it lost? Not, okay. it is not going to be that. Um, a slice of humble pie, but next year, you better believe if I'm in the same situation, you're going to hear it. <laughs> And if you lose, you're going to blame the VPI, right? Yeah, that's, well, that's what it is. Well, it was. It was Although much. I am thinking, base and earnings, of using a new metric, just going somewhere else. Slipping a coin? Just, you know, yeah. yeah. Just 
just because the BPI really kicked me in the cradle. <laughs> of all the years to be touting the benefits of the BPI, this was not the year. This was not the year. <laughs> but 16 Indeed. seeds winning. and <laughs> So I might just hold on and relax and take a breath because it's always going to come back, right? 2011, we had a crazy Final Four as well. 2011. Look at that. So, yeah. And you you never wavered in your BPI. (laughs) Um, This is Chris Paul, post-game, with uh, Al McCoy and Tim Kempton. I heard this line pulling out of the parking garage last night, Wolf, and I figured I just got to make sure we have this just for you. This is Chris Paul. Yeah, with a team like ours, you know what I mean? You just be called on to do anything. I love defense. You know what I mean? Seriously, that's that's winning teams. It's the defense. And when you got the scores like Book and KD, you know, we all just got to be ready to play defense. He loves defense. Loves defense right there. And if you watch Chris Paul, once again, I think he's a lot more physical. You watch him. He's out there. I'm not saying he's as fleet of foot when he was younger. Let's say, I don't know, 35, 33, maybe even 30, go ball. He's not nearly as quick, but he's just so smart. And he is not afraid to put the body on you. He will put it on you, man. Watch it. Go back and look at the tape, and you'll see it. He's not afraid of contact. Uh, they did, too. If you're watching the game last night, but you've been working today or whatever, haven't really gotten updates, they did look at his hand last after what happened last night. He talked about that post game. Yeah, I'd, I'd have four hand surgeries from <laughs> all the steals and stuff, but that's just my natural instinct. So, And that's what he did, too. Yeah. It was critical. Those last three minutes. Go back and look at it. It's 115-109. Sons. Brothers, <laughs> this game was contested to the wire. Down the stretch. Into crunch time. There it was. 302. And Chris Paul, you go back and you look at how many plays he made in the last three minutes of that game. Including two deflections that resulted in Sons getting the ball. Two. It is crazy how Chris Paul consistently, I know he, he didn't finish strong in game one, shooting-wise, but right. it, is, it is crazy how he just gets, he just shows up in the fourth quarter of games, even if he's having an off night. It's not like he was having an off night last night, but I'm not talking about just the series. Consistently, outside of the Dallas series last year, late in the game, it's like, oh, We've activated, like, we we have another gear Chris Paul can go to. So whatever he was all game, if he was scale of 1 to 10, he was playing as a 3 or an 8. Either way, in the last five minutes, go ahead and just bump him up a bunch of spots. And he did that again last night. And and, and he was hitting shots last night, too, which obviously uh, made a difference. He also talked about not bringing the ball up the floor every time. And it was weird. I made this comment during the game. It, it was weird watching in person Chris Paul out there on the floor running up the floor without the ball while Devin Booker's bringing it up the court, and he talked about that. It was something that we talked about at halftime. The way teams always try to put a guy up and make me work to bring the ball up the court, we switched it up to pick up the pace. Just let Book bring the ball up. That way I can get up the court, and then we can just play a little faster. Yeah, I like that. I love that idea. That's something that we saw, remember, all the way back to the Pelicans. Mm -hmm. Thinking of the Pelicans series, you know, when Jose Alvarado was all all over. I still have a reaction to hearing that name. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. That was brutal. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so I think it's obviously something that we've saw. They, the Suns were doing it, as a matter of fact, with Macau Bridges uh-huh. at one point. And not just Macau, but a lot of guys as well. Like J.O. has done it as well. Josh Akogi. KD can do it, too. KD but can do it. That was something that Chris Paul just flat out said earlier in the season. We've referenced this a few times on the show. He just flat out said it early in the season. Like, yeah, we all got together and said we have to find ways to take the pressure off of That's right. myself and Devin Booker. Nobody's really taking the pressure off Devin Booker. In fact, they're giving him more job responsibilities. But uh, he seems up to it. And in particular, last night, it did change the pace from game one. Game one was a lot of what the Clippers wanted. Hey, let's just slow this down like we're playing basketball in mud and let's just get this dirty and just physical. And Booker bringing the ball up last night wasn't the only thing that changed the pace, but I would say it was it was the most significant change to it because it allowed them to get in their offense so much quicker. Yeah. And it helps and Devin Booker's not missing a shot either. I mean, that, that made things a little bit easier as well. Yeah, um, Devin Booker just at the heart of everything that we speak of when we talk about last night's game. He really is, right? I, this guy was legendary last night once again, and we all know Kobe told him, be legendary. This is the kind of thing you've got to do to be legendary. Not only making that shot, that shot right before the half, the three-point shot that tied the game, 59-59, after they were down 13, and then you went into halftime, tied up, and he came out in the third quarter and missed one shot in the entire quarter. Seven of eight from the floor, 18 points, and suddenly Book had seized control of the game. I, that's being legendary. That that steal and dunk, I'm going to say it was like a minute 44 into the third quarter. Didn't that, I know the game is still close. I think they put the Suns up by six. But at least for me, that was the moment of like, okay, they're going to win this game. And, and I know there's a lot more games still to go, but, but Booker has decided if he has to, he's going to put them on his back. And, and if you can just do that even for a few minutes... He's not going to have to carry them because KD will kick in or Chris Paul or whoever. But that was the moment of like Booker looking around like we're not losing this one. Yeah. Whatever happens in this series or these playoffs, we're not losing tonight. You know, one of my favorite plays of Devin Booker last night was when he took uh, Zubat to the glass, went to the over the top, and then boom, just... Put it, a little kiss off the glass. Um, and that was awesome watching that. To me, that play, that was awesome. That was... <laughs> hey, remember when you made that, that shot? That was just Devin Booker again. Um, it's not just about the three. It's not just about the mid-range. We'll take it to the rack and um, do it over somebody like Zubats. You can see in the playoffs... Um it, this is not like breaking news, but you see it in like in big moments of playoff games how valuable it is to have a guy that can take it to the rack, but can also hit threes, but can also hit the mid range. And and I know that just sounds like well, yeah, that'd be every great player. Yeah, but there's not a lot of them in the league. So, you know, there's not as many as you might think right. that can do all that. There's there's a lot of really there's a lot of star power in the NBA right now, but there's not a lot of guys that can do that. There are others, but they are like the most dangerous guys in the playoffs. That that was Kobe, right? Kobe could do it all to the highest possible level. I want to play this real quick. This was Chris Paul after the game because he did win a playoff game that Scott Foster officiated, and they asked him about it. Of course, I think I think we. We all about in this run, you know what I mean, minimizing distractions. 
you know what I mean? So that is what it is. I'm sure it's still going to be a thing. League know what it is, so can't control it. You ain't been able to control all the other ones, so it ain't going to change now. You know what I mean? So the, the game is the game. Well, it's 3 and 17 now. <laughs> 3 and 17. Yeah, but he's on a winning streak. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 20 games, it's an even 20, and it's 3 and 17. Well, in the Suns' last two playoff games against the Clippers that Scott Foster has officiated, they're 2 and 0. Because they had the win in the Western Conference Finals with the campaign playing instead of Chris Paul. You know what I love more than anything else was him saying, minimize distractions. Uh-huh. I would say eliminate distractions. Eliminate, not minimize. Eliminate. It, it's It's been remarkable how open Chris Paul has been this season about what they're saying behind the scenes. You know, like he's not giving us all everything, but he's from from day one. Like they've he's let us a little bit behind the door of like this is what our plan is. This is what mm-hmm. we're telling each other because you you know when he says that the minimize distraction things it, it, that's that's a that's a rallying cry for this team. If there are distractions in game 4 or something, you know that practice the next day they're going to say, "Hey, remember what we all agreed to? We all agreed to minimizing distractions." So far through two games, Officiating and one of them was Scott Foster. Officiating hasn't gotten to this team. Nope. So that's a pretty good sign. All right. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody involved with the show today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney and Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.